Hello. <laughs> All right, Lino. <laughs> Just remember, Dave, lots of lube. Dinny, I think you've got to sit up on on a, and, and, and edit this. I keep t- telling you there's, there's absolutely no, no rush. I'm not putting you under any pressure because I know the amount of work that you put into it. So, Dinny, no, worry about it. I'll, I'll do some of it because I need to stay up and have my Russell's burger anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, the day has come. The big tasty is coming back to McDonald's. It will certainly be better than the bloody rustler things that you used to live, live on when I used to work with you. I've still got one and I'm oh having one tonight. Oh my God, oh. You're, the, you're the only person in the world that I know that actually eats them and still eats them. That is the, that is the ultimate junk food. I mean, I'm not exactly the most healthiest person in the world, Derek, but I would not <laughs> touch them. And you're the only person I know that would religiously sit down and eat at least one a week of the hugs, and I honestly can't believe that you're still eating them. That is um, absolutely um, right. I'm not one a week now. It's, it's, it's got better. But it's a two a week, though. <laughs> two a week, eh? <laughs> and the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the iReady podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave? I'm very well Derek, how are you mate? I'm not bad. How long to your holidays now Dave? Uh, it will be exactly two weeks tomorrow before I'm away. And where hopefully, are you going? Hopefully. We're heading over to, to Florida Derek, but like I was uh, speaking to you about earlier on it's squeaky bum time at the moment because we've all got got to get tests so it could still go horribly wrong at the last minute apparently we're getting video monitored while we're carrying out our lateral flow tests the whole family so we just have to hope and pray that we all remain negative and it'll be all good yes i mean it's quite ironic that you use squeaky bum time there considering i made a joke about where you're sticking the test as well eh? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, never crossed my mind, but just shows what you're thinking about it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so hope that all goes well. But anyway, we've got more important things to talk about tonight, Dave. More important than my holidays. Ex- <laughs> well, exactly, <laughs> I. <laughs> I'm sure my wife would disagree with you 100% there, but there you go. Four games to cover anyway. And they're all wins, all you know, great wins. Well, I say all great wins. One of them was an absolute bore fest, which we both missed live at the time. I don't know if you've watched it back. I sat yeah. and watched it back, Dave, but it was horrendous. But we'll get into that anyway. So we may as well go down the tunnel and onto the pitch. So, the first game we've got to cover was Wednesday the 2nd of March. It was a 1-0 win away against St. Johnston in the Premiership. So, another vital game. We got the points, that was the main thing. It wasn't the best of games, but we will get into that. So, we lined up with one change from the Motherwell game. That was Balogun in for Sakala. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Balogun, Bassey, Kamara, Aribo, Lundstrom, Arfield, Kent and Morelis. On the subs bench we have McLaughlin, Zakowski, Barisic, King, Sands, Lowry, Wright, Roof and Sakala. So, the first half, a rather workmanlike 
but uninspiring first half. We got the goal early on and we never really done a great deal after that. There was no real flow to the game from both teams. It was a bit scrappy on occasion. Morelos, arguably our best player, and he appeared to have dropped back slightly, been the more of a playmaker, and he's had some lovely through balls to others who couldn't finish. St. Johnson haven't really tested, however, they've been fairly competent as well. So, as I said, we got the goal early on on the third minute, and it was Kamara that scored. It was a great ball dinked up to Morelos by Gold who has a lovely flick forward to the on-running Kamara who beat the offside trap he was 1v1 with the keeper and he slots it to the side of the keeper very calmly into the back of net what a composed finish and I think he'd done it a few games beforehand against Hearts as well more or less a carbon copy didn't he? It was an excellent goal Derek I've been noticing that Kamara's actually you know quite a few times now uh, Gio has been playing him slightly further forward but excellent, you know, he, he, he stayed on side, he timed his run perfectly, it was an excellent through ball by Golson, and as you say, a fantastic, cool finish early in the game, and at that point, Derek, I think we thought we were going to go on and maybe score a few at that time, didn't we? Yeah, little did we know that was going to be the only one, eh? <laughs> Saying that, I would rather get the goal early like that than what happened in the Aberdeen game, so we'll, we'll take that for take that Spo- for a good thing. Spoiler alert. Yeah, exactly. 20th minute was some lovely work from Morelos. He feeds it to Arfield in the box. The defenders blocked before Arfield could shoot. It rebounded out to Morelos on the right, who has a shot from an angle and hits the post and clears. So really unlucky that there. And once again, Morelos. We had to wait until the 42nd minute for the next real piece of play and it was a well-worked move by St Johnston. A bit of fortune with a loose ball and a shot from outside the box. McGregor made a good save with a dive to the left and he gathered the ball. 43rd minute, a nice worked move up the park into a crowded box by us. Tavernier on the right, plays it on the deck to Morelos who has a lovely back heel flick to Arfield in the box. Has a shot but it was saved by the keeper. And to round out the half, on the 45th minute, Morelos to Ken on the left of the box who has a shot and it was just over the bar. So, 1-0 up, really can't complain. It was, again, it was fairly workmanlike. We limited to what St. Johnson done, but we kind of limited what we done as well. As we know, one mistake and it could all change. We really needed a second, really, going into the second half, fairly early on as well. And we needed to really up the pace again and be more more direct. Yep. We never got that at all, though, did we? No, it was very turgid by both teams, Derek. As you said, just glad that we managed to get the early goal, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you very quickly summarise the second half because there's not no really much to talk about. Is there? Not really. I mean, we got there in the end in the second half, but that performance was really worrying. It was workmanlike again, however, it was clear from about 55 minutes onwards that some of the players were absolutely dead on their feet and we still never had any subs in the game at all. It yeah. was just absolutely Bath ridiculous. Yeah, back one. We played a lot of football, you know, this season already. The pitch was like a tatty field, yep. and it wasn't helping the, the the situation at all. With more big games coming up, and the fact that there was no subs, bizarre. Yeah. St. Jo- St. Johnson again were competent. However, I think we were lucky that they were not great going forward. And if it were another team, the outcome might have been a wee bit different. So, really, not a lot to talk about. A few chances here and there. A decent effort in the 52nd minute with a, a volley from a rebo. Quite an orthodox shot, but it was right out of the keeper. Uh, 62nd minute, about a bizarre referee. And Bassey busting the gut to keep the ball going out for a corner. He couldn't do it. A goal kick was given. I mean, I don't know what the ref and linesman was thinking. Surely you would have thought, why is Bassey yeah. running like that to, to prevent it? Didn't understand that. Yeah. 
Goldson did have the ball in the back of the net on the 69th minute. He headers it in from the back of the net from a lovely free kick floated into the box by Tavernier. But there was three players offside, so it was unfortunately a correct decision. And then 72nd minute, really the last piece of play, the ball was headed back to McGregor in the box. The St. Johnson player nips in, nicks the ball as McGregor was about to catch it. Certainly high feet, nothing given, but fortunately we got away with that one there. But you would have thought that it might have been a foul given, but nothing there from the referee. But it was going to take, you know, ugly wins at times. Again, a lot of people forget some of the championship run-ins we've had where we've just won ugly. That was one of those occasions. As I said, St. Johnson never really done anything. We were limited as well, what we've done. We got the result in the end. That's all that really matters. Yep, Derek, you summarised that perfectly there, I think. I think we knew as well that St. Johnson, that's been their major problem all season is going forward. So I think we knew that they were going to be limited with any sort of clear-cut chances. I think the players kind of knew that as well. So I was quite relaxed watching it, to, to be honest with you. But as you say, it was it was really, really sort of turgid in the second half, wasn't it? it was a, there was nothing much happening. Thankfully, we got that goal. And as you say, we won ugly. And I would take us winning ugly every single game now at the end of the season, if that's what it's going to take. We did have a few games like that last season that we seem to forget. So just glad that we got the three points, Derek. Up, you know, it could have been a potential banana skin away from home. But, you know, we got the win and that's all that matters. Yes. So, next game we go into was Saturday the 5th of March. It was a 1-0 win at home to Aberdeen in the Premiership. Now, a lot was put on this game for the fact that it was a 150th anniversary game as well. So, big massive display all around the stadium and every single stand from the Union Bears. Absolutely fantastic. I love the red, white and blue bibs on all four stands, as has been said before as well, that... It meant the display was there the whole game as well. And a really poignant part about as well, the significant images from significant players throughout our history as well. Absolutely fantastic. Aberdeen fans, in their wisdom, I think they had their usual quote of 800 or so. They brought a bed sheet that said, Charles Green had a dream. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) what relevance does that have? I mean, it was absolutely embarrassing. No, Derek, it was quite spectacular, wasn't it? And, you know, to all the, the, the people who took up their spare time, put in a hell of a lot of hard work, you know, to pull all that off. It was absolutely spectacular. And after I saw I thought, surely, if there's anything that's going to inspire the players to go and get a, you know, a, a, put on a fantastic performance and score a few goals, there's nothing better than that. Let's be honest. And, you know, I was expecting a real, uh, you know, performance by the team after coming out the tunnel and seeing that in front of you. It was quite spectacular. Uh, But again, (laughs) you're going to be going over old ground. It didn't quite work out like that, but thankfully we got there in the end. But I'll I'll let you get into it, Derek. Just the last piece to cover before we, we actually get into the, the lack of a game that there was. But we were also meant to be wearing our 150th anniversary white yes. strip as well. Mm-hmm. When the, the strip was announced, it was announced also that we'd be wearing it for this game. It was a big selling point for the top as well. Yeah. And then we were trying to put that over at every every opportunity as well when we were trying to sell it. 
the team wore it for the pre-game warm-up and then wore the normal home top for the for the, the, the whole game. So a lot of speculation as to the reasons why it wasn't worn. You know, certainly Heart and Hand confirmed it was actually registered, which there was speculation that it wasn't, which is the reason why we couldn't wear it. Maybe perhaps down to superstition, but it's one of these things, really, it's not a big thing in the scheme of things, but when they market it is that they're going to yes. be wearing it specifically for this game. There's a few things creeping into the board now that you're starting to worry about, about the way they're they're treating fans, um, which obviously we'll get on to later yeah, on in the news we'll section. Yeah, later, yes. Yeah. So, there was three changes from the St. Johnson game. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Bassey, Barisic, Jack, Kamara, Aribo, Sakala, Ken and Morelos. On the subs bench, we have McLaughlin, Balligan, Lundstrom, Arfield, Hellander, Ramsey, Sands, Wright and Roof. So... Dave, you didn't get to see the game because you had a, a, an issue and I never got to see the game live either because I that was my first experience of, because of having a child getting taken away for their activities I, they do. So, And I was the same, Derek. My uh, son had a injury after playing football and I ended up in the accident and emergency and then having to move to minor, minor injuries at another hospital as well. He makes sure that he was okay, so I completely missed the whole of the game uh, I managed to watch the game back later on which is an hour and a half of my life that I'll not get back but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you get into it Derek Yeah, that's why I'm not going to cover this a lot because yeah. I picked the game up again on round about the 65th minute and funnily at that time the wee stats board came up 14 shots, 0 on target Yeah that kind of sums up the, the, yep. the game we were having. Total. Certainly, it was all us. Aberdeen really just played for the, the draw. I don't think they had any shots yep. at, on target right. at all. Right. Right. Yep. We did actually make subs, though, into the second half on the 59th minute. Sakal and Barisic off, Arfield and Balogun on. So it was good to see it was given the criticism he got from the last game, which he did brush off, which is his prerogative. He's the manager at the end of the day. And we were 1-1-0. One one but it was good to see him making subs when it was clear that it was needed. Bit of controversy in the 63rd minute because Ferguson for Aberdeen was booked for hauling back Tavernier and then getting right in the road when Tavernier tried to take a quick free kick. Aberdeen fans tried to use this as an example of of Rangers and the old firm getting decisions for them all the time because apparently Balogun never got booked for something very similar later on when he stood in front of the free kick it was really not the same thing anyway because the haul back by Ferguson was probably the re- main reason why he got the yellow card it was more petulance him standing in front of the ball and the referee yep. had enough for, for that one there so he had a few challenges up until that point uh, you know anyway and it was only Balogun he was only on the field a few minutes I think when, when it happened for him so not the same thing as usual as usual though Aberdeen fans try to see you know try to see something that there isn't there However, you know, it was certainly all us, you know, what we can't really take it away from the team there. We did have a number of chances. We should have buried the game, but Aberdeen sitting back, really making it difficult for us. That has been the big thing, though, making the keeper work for it. That's been the big thing for the last season, at least. So, however, on the 78th minute, Jack and Morelos came off, Lundstrom and Roof came on. Now the fans booed. I think it was not for the fact that Lundstrom and Roof were coming on. It was the fact that one of the more active players in the team, Morelos, was coming yes. off. Yes, yeah. And to be fair, Derek, maybe a masterstroke? Well, yeah, because it clearly was, because in the yep. 81st minute, we made it 1-0 with Roof scoring. So yeah. Bassey done well to get the ball back off the Aberdeen attacker in the box at the Aberdeen touchline. He passed out. Kamara picked up the ball on the left. He shimmied past his defenders. A great cross into the middle. 
a header by one of our attackers, I'm not too sure who it was, but it was towards the left post and it ended up off the thigh of Roof and into the back of the net. And he also made a wee signal to our fans as if to say, don't boo me as well. That's what it looked like anyway. <laughs> but at that point, 81st minute, when it looked as if we weren't going to get anything from the yes. game, we are going to drop another two points. Up steps Roof again. We scored yeah. the goal. No, Derek, that goal could prove vital. Let's let's be honest. With 10 minutes to go, we were all fearing the worst. We all thought it wasn't going to happen. It was another frustrating day, as you say. You know, no shots on target for, for such a long period of play. We had all the ball. It just wasn't happening. And fair play to Gio. He changed it. He took off the best player out of talisman. He brought on Roof, and it was him that managed to, to get the goal. He's a completely different player, Roof, than what Morelos is. It was maybe just something like that, just a change. Unsettled the, the Aber- Aberdeen defenders, you know, they were having to change their game. Maybe laps and concentration in their part as well, because they were marking different players and stuff like that. But it certainly worked for us. Absolutely delighted that we got the goal, Derek, at that stage of the game. And, you know, again, like I just said, it could be vital. It really could, it could be vital, that goal. Yeah, I mean, after that, oh, Aberdeen fans went on to claim that it was a foul by Bassey and then it was an offside as well when the ball was played to Roof. I mean, no way was it a foul at all. And, and then I'm not sure on what planet anybody who thought it was offside is on because there was a player standing pretty much on the touchline about four yards playing him on side as well. So, I mean, obviously Jim Goodwin, you know, felt that the goal shouldn't have stood because there was a shove on on his player and the build-up to it. I mean, utter bollocks. Yeah. Classic case of tell me someone who's a self fan without telling me they're a Celtic <laughs> fan summed it up in Jim Goodwin there and then Sports Scene spent about five minutes going over that if it was an offside or not as well of course they did Derek of course they did I wouldn't expect anything less for them I really wouldn't Typical. And then a moment of controversy again on the 89th minute when Arebo went down with a clear head knock. I think it was a clash of heads or an elbow to, the, to his head anyway. Ref never stopped the game, which was shocking in itself. And then a completely reckless challenge on our field. It was a clear red card every day of the week, but only a yellow card g- g- given. You know, cheating beaten once again. Yep. Every single time he refs one of your games, Derek, we've always got sort of major controversial talking points about certain decisions that he made or he didn't made, make and again, there was no difference in this game as well. I honestly can't remember the last time that we had a game with John beating in it and there has been some sort of shocking decision that he's made, uh, you know, d- during the match, so, you know, we, we shouldn't be surprised, should we? It's, it's, it's just something that, that we're getting used to all the time now with him. Yeah, and then there was five minutes of injury time given as well. There was absolutely nowhere near that because nothing happened in the game. So I don't know where they got that from. Two at the very most, if that, for the substitutions. But anyway, we got the three points. That was the main thing. It yes. was, as I said to you in the last game, I would much rather get the early goal than than have to rely on a late goal because it just it makes the nerves even worse. But you know, we were comfortable the whole game in terms of having possession. We we're creating a lot. But we just weren't on the ball that day. We never created, you know, we never caused their keeper any trouble at all apart from the goal. So at least we got there in the end, though. Yep, definitely, Derek. And and like I said with the last game, I would rather win 1-0 every single match for now to the end end of the season. Uh, You know, it's it's, it's games like that and goals like that, that, that's, you know, again, we're we're repeating ourselves, but it's games like that 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 win your leagues. So, uh, you know, I would certainly take that the next two league matches against Celtic as well, do you know what I mean? So, (laughs) So it leads us into the next game, Thursday the 10th of March, 
an incredible 3-0 oh. win at home against Red Star Belgrade in the Europa League last 16 leg one. Dave, I mean, if we thought that the Borussia Dortmund <laughs> game was mental, then this was just, you know, on another That's- level again. For I know that we've got our blue tinted specs on Derek, so we are only interested in you know our team winning. I've actually watched the highlights of this game back about three times, and just even as as a neutral watching this game, it must have you know it's quite incredible. Obviously, we're delighted with the scoreline, but what an incredible match! And you know, I, I take it, Derek, you must have about three pages worth of notes <laughs> just for the first half alone. <laughs> Pretty much, yes, yes. So we had two changes from the Aberdeen game, Barisic and Sakala out, Balogun and Lundstrom in. So we lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Balogun, Bassey, Jack, Kamara, Lundstrom, Aribo, Kent and Morelos. On the subs bench were McLaughlin, McCrory, Barisic, King, Ramsey, Sands, Lowry, Ahmad, Wright, Roof and Sakala. So a crazy, crazy first <laughs> half that had Mental. everything, yep. everything bar a red card and arguably there could have even been one of them for, for us as well. A very open game, played at a very high tempo, a good performance overall, but not great, despite us being 2-0 up at that point as well. Yep. We weren't retaining the ball well enough for me and that was the big thing and the defence was giving me the fear from early <laughs> on. And none more so than in the third minute because Red Star had the ball in the back of the net, but it was ruled offside. And it was a sensational finish as well, Derek. You yeah. take nothing away from the guy that put the ball in the net. It was an incredible goal. Yeah, I mean, it was quite lucky because our defending was absolutely shocking during that passenger play. And as, as you said, it was a great finish, though. Yep. There was a VAR check, obviously. The offside player who didn't actually touch the ball in the initial passenger play, he was ended up being the scorer, but he was offside in that first passenger play and it was ruled to be close enough to be interfering with play. So, you know, I wouldn't say we got off with one there because the the linesman did flag very early on before the ball had hit the back of the net. But that is the point of VAR as well, to correct any potential mistakes. So, and they were all clear offsides as well for me. So there was no arguing about it there. But it was worrying early on, especially the fact that it was so easy to to drive through our defence. Yep, definitely. Yep. However, on the eighth minute, there was a quick break from us. Kent gets the ball in the box. He lost the ball, but it was filled just on the line. The ref was looking right at it and nothing given. Bassey gets the ball to Jack, who cuts in, drops the shoulder and hits the shot wide. And then the referee, as the keeper was lining up to take the goal kick, the referee stopped the game because he got notification that there was a VAR check. It was a very lengthy check. The referee goes to the screen. You kind of know at this point now that generally, it means if he goes to the screen for something like this, it's going to be called in your favour and on the 10th minute the penalty was given so the three words you love to hear penalty to Rangers yeah definitely Derek yep yep I mean a, p- a few people saying that Kent had lost the ball he wasn't in control of the ball well to me that doesn't make any difference no, so not doesn't. strange however on the 11th minute upsteps Tavernier sends the keeper the wrong way and he hits it high into the top right corner I shat myself for a minute because I thought he'd skied it and a few other folk had thought that as well but it was the most perfect penalty you've ever seen you can tell, Derek, that he is obviously practising his penalties a lot because the way that he struck it and he was even off balance the way that he hit it because he slipped backwards, but it was perfectly executed, wasn't it? There's no keeper in the world was going to save that right into the top corner and an absolutely fantastic start to the game for us. Yeah, brilliant. However, 
It was nearly curtains again for us <laughs> because in the 13th minute, Red Star again had the ball in the back of the net, but again, it was ruled offside from a VAR check. It was a long ball played up. Bassey completely misses it. When no Bassey's got a bit of an issue, we try to get long balls up and he seems to... I just know, just maybe wrong-footed or just not read the ball right. McGregor doesn't dive again for the ball. I mean, the player rounds him and into the back of the net. I don't know what McGregor was thinking about again not diving. I know he's maybe thinking, oh, if I bring, if I get it wrong and I, I mistime it, you know, I might bring the player down. However, he has to at least, you know, try and go for it. However, the VAR check again, a lengthy one, and it was ruled offside. This time, it was just off but just off is offside anyway. So yeah. saved a few blushes for a couple of players there, yeah. and it was a bit worrying again for McGregor, but he went on to redeem himself several times in the game. He, he certainly did. Derek, me and you have spoken a lot about McGregor, haven't we? There is no doubting his shot-stopping ability, is there? I mean, he's absolutely sensational. I'm not even going to speak about how, how old he is, but it is something that we have been discussing as his now reaction to get down to low shots, you know, when he's diving. We, we've spoken about it before, and as you say, we were almost undone by that one there. But again, I'm not going to have a go at McGregor because he was outstanding in the game. As, you know, he usually is. This is just a wee thing that, that me and you and quite a, a lot of other people have been noticing recently about his, his game. Yeah, absolutely. However, the madness hadn't stopped yet because in the 15th minute, Morelos makes it 2-0. And that was his 32nd goal in the competition oh. as well. Unbelievable. Incredible, Derek. Absolutely incredible. I'll let you describe the goal, but it was just a, it was a tremendous finish by him, you know, awareness and everything. Brilliant. Yeah. It was a corner in from the right, played short to the edge of the box. It was floated in. It was headed to the back of the box by the Red Star defender where Morelis hits it into the ground through two players and the keeper into the back and it just an outstanding but maybe a bit of fortunate the fact that the defender got the ball and it did come back to right to Morelis, but what an outstanding finish from him though. Reaction finish, Derek. We don't actually see Morelos score a lot of goals like that, do we? The sort of, uh, you know, just k- k- kind of waiting at hit, hitting on the half volleys more. You know, the, the, the amount of goals that he scores are usually when the ball's played through, you know, for from to run on to and stuff like that. But that was a, just a fantastic striker's instinctive finish. He kept it low. It was bouncing. It ends up in the, in, in the back of the net. It was just absolutely sensational. And the guy just comes to life in the Europa League, doesn't he? Absolutely yep. incredible record. For us, there's no other man than now for me to, to lead us up front, especially in Europe, than Alfredo Morelos. He's just been absolutely sensational. Yeah, and I wish I could say the madness had stopped, Dave. Unfortunately, it hadn't, because in the 23rd minute, there was a penalty to Red Star, and Jack was given a yellow card for a foul in the box. Now, it looked a bit soft to me. Strangely, there was only ever one TV replay. A lot of folk have been saying, though, they've watched it back, and they did say, yeah, it was a penalty, so we can't really argue about it. Yep. However... On the 24th minute, they step up to take the penalty and McGregor saves. He dives the right way. An outstanding save, one-handed dive. There was a VAR check for him being slightly off his line, apparently, but the, the stills actually show that just as the boy struck the ball, he still had one one yes. foot on the line, which is perfectly illegal, despite the claims from Celtic fans that, oh, that was that was shocking, it should have been retaken. But brilliant from McGregor there. There was a stat, he's been up against 30-odd penalties, and I think he saved 11 of them or something like that. So it's a, a massively big percentage of penalty yes. saves compared with most keepers 
it's not just the amount of penalties he saves, it's the vital ones like games like tonight or, or that night anyway that, that he does. It's incredible. It was a world class save as well, Derek. It was it was tremendous. I know the and it wasn't the fact it was a badly hit penalty, was it? It was just an out, absolutely outstanding save. Really strong, strong wrist, strong hand to to, to put it away. Guessed the right way, and uh, you know, absolutely fantastic for us. Still giving us that two goal cushion. Yes, twenty ninth minute. This is maybe the moment of controversy from our point of view. Aribo was given a yellow card for a bad challenge. He was leading with his studs. It could have, and it maybe should have been a red card. Weirdly, though, the ref had been fairly lenient that night about letting a lot of the physical stuff go, which is really unusual for a European referee as well. So but I think we maybe got away with that one there. Possibly, Derek, but I will take it any day of the week. Kent, after that, in the 33rd minute, was filled in the box. It was getting held, but not enough for a penalty or a VAR check, so correct decision there for me. 41st minute, an absolute stunning one-touch move, started by Kent and Bassey on the left-hand side, driving it forward. Kent cuts inside, gets it back to Bassey, who passes to Kamara in the box with his back to goal, who turns and shoots, and it went just over. Really unlucky, that, because it really was a stunning, yeah. it stunning was like- move. Great, great piece of play by all three. Another p- player, Derek, who just seems to come alive in Europe, Ryan Kent, you know, absolutely sensational. And as you say, really unlucky there by Kamara. That would have been an absolutely incredible goal if it went in. Yeah. 42nd minute, Red Star down the left. Great cross into the box to find their attacker getting through our defence. He slides in, makes contact, and McGregor makes a fairly easy save. Really good move. Proof that they're still very dangerous as yes. well. Yep, definitely. 45th minute, Morelos with a great snapshot on target from 25 yards out, but the keeper makes a good save, a good effort as well. And there was five minutes of injury time because of plenty of our checks, obviously. And then on the 48th minute, it was a lovely through ball by Red Star, played into plenty of space. He gets a shot off from the left side, and McGregor with another great save, flagged again for offside. Uh, Again, it was another just offside, but it was offside anyway, but McGregor standing up to it well, though. So... Absolutely mental first half, and we thought that you know if we can just keep it tight, maybe sit back a wee bit, and you know just contain the lead, maybe try and go for more goals. That's what we wanted, wasn't it? Definitely, Derek. As you say, it was absolutely bizarre. The whole the whole of the game, that game could have been you know three three four four at half time. I do agree with you. All the offside decisions were correct. But on another day, you know, if that had been in Scotland, if that had been us playing against the likes of Dundee United and Aberdeen, we've not got VAR, could easily have been, you know, about 3-3 at at that point in the game. But absolutely massive game. It was great for us to be going in at half-time 2-0 up. We were hoping it was going to knock the wind out of their sails because they had had a lot of the ball as well and a lot of chances. But as I say, the second half, Derek, was also not quite as breathtaking as the first half, but still an excellent second half as well. Yeah, well, I actually thought it was a, a fantastic second half performance for us. We were largely controlled most of it. The last 15 minutes, Red Star did come back into it. I think they had thrown about four or five attackers on by that point. Yeah. And in that period, we did have some shaky defending again, but we weathered the storm and kept the zero. I mean, we put ourselves in an absolute superb position, though, on the 51st minute when we went 3-0 up and we got that early goal in the second half. And it was Balligan that scored. Tavernier with a corner from the right. Balligan with a towering header in the middle into the bottom right corner. What a height he got up to get that header. And it was an absolute cracking header as well. And Tavernier that night was 
everything he was crossing yep. in was pinpoint accurate to the sp- space you would expect it to go and he was aiming for. Just Tavernier was the outstanding player that this game because yeah. that's the reason. When he's on form, you get goals like that. I actually think that we're not do- doing it enough justice, Derek. I thought it was an absolutely fantastic goal by Balogun. As you say, the athleticism for him to get up that high and still be able to put in as much power because it wasn't a close range header, Derek. He was out behind the penalty spot when he headed that ball. It was the perfect ball played in, zipped in right to him. And as you say, the the height that he got up and then the power and the accuracy in that header, it was absolutely fantastic. I've, I've actually watched that goal back about three or four times at least now to see it. I love goals like that. I love headed goals. And that, to me, it was textbook. Absolutely brilliant by Balogun. And this is what annoys me, Derek. We have got players of that ability who can cause problems in the box like that. And I feel that we should be scoring a lot more headed goals for corners and free kicks and what we have this season. But... Absolutely delighted at that stage, Derek. 3-0, this stage in Europe against a very good team. Sensational goal. And as you say, Rangers were controlling it in the second half. That goal, I think, killed it off completely for Red Star. It gave us a sort of supremacy. I feel that, you know, we were able to up our play in just a great position at that point, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. However, Red Star did have a, a good chance in the 62nd minute. They had a long ball floated into the back post from the left. A lucky bounce finds, finds their attacker who tries to shoot, but McGregor alert and dive down to make contact with the ball and put it out for the corner. We had a chance, though, just after their corner. It was good play in the box, managed to thread through a ball to Morelos, who gets a shot off near to goal on the right, but no power, and it was saved by the keeper. On the 71st minute, though, really, really unlucky, because we had Tavernier with a corner from the right to the far side, Goldson with a powerful header, and cleared off the line by the head of the defender. Really, really unlucky that there. 72nd minute, Red Star with a stunning shot from 20 yards off the underside of the bar, and eventually cleared. (laughs) It had McGregor beat as well, and it's shown they, they were still dangerous at that Definitely. point as well yep. made a couple of subs at that point as well 75th minute Aribo and Jack off Sakala and Sands on they had obviously made a few substitutions as well they were going for it they really had to because I think if we had scored the fourth goal that was the tie completely over had they pulled a goal back certainly game on for them yeah. and we were living dangerously on the 80th minute with the ball just not falling for Red Star it started all from a bad pass from Sands on one wing tried to cross field it to Bassey it was overhit. Bassey tried to keep it in, but all he done was play it right to the Red Star player who had the quick break, and we kind of got off with one there. Yes. You know, it's, a, it's reading the game there because Bassey had to slide in and stretch for it there rather than just let it go out and let us regroup for it, even if it was a couple of seconds. He played it right to their player. It was really poor from Bassey that there, but fortunately we got away with that one. Yeah, definitely, yep. And then even more bizarrely, and you must have thought, Red Star, what do they have to do to score? Because in the 85th minute, they had the ball in the back of the net again, but again, it was ruled offside. No VAR check this time, it was clearly offside. They had a shot from just outside the box. It was a great save from McGregor, and their player who was offside from the initial shot put the ball in the back of the net with the the spill from McGregor, so clearly offside and gladly done. And then this is the point I really, really hope we don't live to regret because in the 89th minute, it was a lovely free kick from Tavernier on the left of the back post. Goldson drifts in to the back post and completely misses it. It was it was completely unmarked and an empty net as well. Just I hope that's not going to be the thing that we live to regret, Dave. Derek, I'm staying positive. 
I don't think we will, but as you say, that miss for Colson, I don't know what he was doing if he's took his eye off the ball at the last second, but I, you know, actually thought that the, the, the ball was was in the net, you know, but and then it went past. I couldn't quite believe that he had missed it. And as you say, if that goal had went in at that stage, that was the tie, you know, beyond doubt. But it's one of these things, Derek, we've got to go and hope that that's not going to be the banana skin of their game and... You know, the thing that, that we rue, you know, these chances, it, it wasn't just that, there was a few other, but that was certainly a guilt a guilt edge chance that he missed there. Yeah. The last piece of play on the 91st minute, Sakala with a powerful shot, but it was saved by the keeper. So, you know, absolutely amazed by that result. And we knew it was going to be difficult. I think people were writing off Red Star and you're maybe guilty of it yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's no bad teams at this stage of the tournament. And we knew they were going to be difficult, but for us to come out with 3-0, 3-0 yeah. winners in the game, it's, it's, it's fantastic. We've certainly got our first foot in the in the quarterfinals, but we've got a massive game um, tomorrow, or it'll be tonight by we, the time this comes out. We have, Derek, but now we know what that team is capable of. I think they were a bit of an unknown entity, certainly by the supporters. We didn't really know what to expect. And as you say, a lot of us were writing them off. We, we, we knew that there wouldn't be any mugs, but we were all pretty confident that Rangers would get the win. And Derek, if you had shown anybody that scoreline without actually seeing the game, you would have thought that Rangers would have went out and had absolutely annihilated them. But it wasn't all one-sided, you know, as I say, especially in that first half, it uh, was quite incredible. So I actually think it goes in their favour when we play them in the away leg because we do know that they will be dangerous. We do know that they will... We've got their backs up a wee bit because they feel a bit aggrieved with all the offside goals and the amount of times that they did get through. So they'll, they'll be fancying their chances to score a couple against us Derek but I also think that is advantageous for us because I think that it will leave them sort of weak at the back and it'll give us the opportunity to count counter attack which we're very good at in Europe so no I'm looking forward to it Derek I think it's going to be a cracker and here's hoping that we go out and get another I mean I would take another hard fought 1-0 victory like I said but uh, I don't think it's going to be like that I think it's going to be a very attacking game so we'll wait See. Hopefully. So it leads us into the last game we've got to cover on this podcast. It was Sunday the 13th of March. It was a 3-0 win away against Dundee in the Scottish Cup quarter-final. With four changes from the Red Star game, we lined up McLaughlin, Tavernier, Goldson, Hellander, Bassey, Jack, Sands, Kamara, Ramsey, Ken and Morelis. On the subs bench were McLaughlin, Zukowski, Balogun, Barisic, King, McCann, Lowry, Ahmad, Wright, Roof and Sakala. So a couple of interesting changes there and then yep. more so than Ramsey playing as well. Yes. You know, certainly after there's a lot of you know a lot of talk about him coming in and not actually playing a lot. So yeah. fortunately he, he he came back for this game and he, he put in a good display, as did Sands as well. They certainly did, Derek. I'm glad you said that. I was uh, pleased to see him back in the starting eleven and I was anxious to see how well he played. And as you're about to get in, I actually thought he had a very good game, not taking anything away from Dundee. They weren't up, up to much at all, but it's games like that that you need players to come in, maybe just to prove to himself that he, you know, he, he did make an impact in the game, he did play the vast majority of the game as well and it can only be better, you know, for us for the you know the end of the season, but I, I'll let you get into it. Yeah, the one thing I've got to note though is the fact that we were wearing our dreaded purple kit, so yes. you know, we all, we all had worries at the start of the game, certainly and did, yep However, hopefully that's the hoodoo over now, isn't it? Exactly. That was one of the things I texted you, Derek, wasn't it? I was like, oh no, purple kit. But thankfully that didn't play into the game at all, did it? 
No, not at all. So it was a decent performance in the first half, in control, taking the game to Dundee and really not getting out of second gear. There was an interesting moment on the fourth minute, though. It was a a pass-back ruled against Dundee where the defender toe-poked it to clear the ball. The ball was going out as if it was going out for a corner and their keeper came charging along the goal line to prevent it going out for the corner, which he did. But the ref ruled it as a pass-back. That was never a passback, Dave, was it? Incredible, though. No, exactly, Derek. I'm, 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 I'm with you again. A, a totally baffling decision there. Yeah. However, it didn't matter because we never scored from it anyway. <laughs> However, we did score on the ninth minute with Goldson scoring. It was a corner in from the left from Tavernier. Hellander's header going into the bottom left corner. It was cleared off the line by a stunning overhead kick, mind you. But it was it only went to Goldson who fires it into the back of net. What a kind of striker's finish that was from Goldson as well. Great finish, Derek. And when he leaned back, I thought, oh no, he's going to sky this. But to be fair to him, he put it away really, really well, as you said, just just like a striker. And again, a great early goal for us to settle the nerves. Yep. 14th minute, Morelos had a shot, but it looked as if it deflected off the defender, but a goal kick was given. Ramsey had a good chance in the 17th minute, getting the ball inside the box on the right and has a shot, but it was saved by the keeper. Dundee's best chance of the whole game came in the 20th minute when they had a free kick floated into the middle from the right, a free header wide. It was really poor defending, but there was three Dundee players looked offside anyway, but nothing was given. So whether it, if it went in the back of the net, really concerning though the fact that it was a free header for him. Yes, it definitely was, Derek. And you know, it's not as if the you know the Rangers defender, you know, they they, they were they were close by. So there's, there's no excuses there, and you know, quite worrying. But thankfully, uh, you know, nothing happened to that one. Yep. And then on the twenty third minute, those three words once again, yep. penalty to Rangers. Tavernier in the box, he shimmies to the right, and he was clearly body checked off the ball. Now, a few folks saying that that was never a penalty or it was certainly a soft one. Never in a million years was that a soft penalty. It was a stonewaller. If you look at one of the replays especially that that shows it, the Dundee player actually moves out the way to body check them. So it's not as if he followed the direction of the ball or Tavernier ran into him. It actually, when Tavernier tries to go around him, he moves into the the path of of Tav. Yep, definitely. And then what was even, I'm going to say funnier, but it was just you know, a bit of bad sportsmanship. Mullen for, Dun- Mullen for Dundee it was given a yellow card for trying to rip up the penalty spot. Oh. And there was a few words said to Tavernier as well. And uh, to be fair to Tav, it was completely, concentration was supreme just on taking the penalty because I don't know what, what it was he was trying to say and we put him off but it didn't work and it was him that got the egg, the, the egg on his face he looked absolutely raging throughout the whole game Mullen you could tell that he was desperate to try and score so I don't know if that tells you something about maybe his uh, boyhood team that he, that he supports I don't know but uh, no, it was him that was left with egg in his face because as you're about to say Tavernier stepped up and fired it in Yes, so on the 24th minute, he made it 2-0. High into the top left corner, keeper dived the right way, but too much pace and accuracy. Yeah. It was more or less a carbon copy of the goal he scored against, the penalty he scored against Red Star, but just a different side. So, yep. as you said, he's clearly working on them. Definitely, yeah. Yep. And then the last piece of play I've got in the, the first half here is on the 35th minute, there was a corner in from the right, a good chance which was cleared. The ball was floated back in, cleared, but then only to Kent, who has a shot in the box, but it was cleared off the line, so unlucky that one there. So, 
Happy with that. Certainly yep. Dundee were offering absolutely nothing. We had yep. a foot in the semi-final. There was a double substitution at half-time. Kamara and Morelos off, Sakala and Roof on. So that was, I don't think it was tactical. I think it was just giving players a rest Definitely. who really needed yep. a rest. Good to see him I'm doing that. Definitely, Derek. I think he, he knew as well as we did. We were in complete control of that game. So... You know, I'm not saying it was it was safe, but certainly at that stage, he's got trust in his players to take you know two of his top players off and bring another two guys on. So no, that was that was good to see. Two guy was playing. <laughs> <laughs> so really the second half it was really a training session for us we had a number of chances which we failed to convert but we weren't under any real pressure anyway so it was one of these games where Dundee were offered nothing against us we were already 2-0 up you know as long as we don't get any injuries that's yeah. the main thing we had a few chances as I said we had a couple of saves from their keeper, a free kick from 25 yards over the bar in the 56. 59th minute, it was a lovely move from Roof, robbing the defender of the ball near the touchline on the left. He drove the ball forward, cuts it back to Ramsey in the box, who gets a shot off and again cleared off the line by the defender. Really wished Ramsey had scored exactly. that there. Yeah, I was the same, yep. Yep. Another save by the keeper in the 66th minute. 67th minute, Kent came off and Ahmad on. 76th minute, we actually did have the ball in the back of the net from Sakala, but it was offside. Lovely finish, all the same, but it was offside, unfortunately. Ramsey came off on the 79th minute and Charlie McCann came on. 86th minute, Jack off and Lowry on. So good to see Lowry getting a game. And 30 seconds on yeah. the pitch. Lowry sets up Sakala on the 87th minute to make it 3-0. It was a quick break from Lowry from the halfway line. He makes a charging run with the ball. He looks up, passes to Sakala on the left and shoots into the net. Just amazing from Lowry here. I really hope he starts to get more of a run out now and we also tie him up in a long-term deal. He's something different, Derek. That's what I like about him. He, We don't seem to have a player like I think that is what maybe Hadji was maybe bringing to the team his ability to spot a through ball just past the last man, anticipating the strikers running on, onto the ball, I think is, is excellent. He's close control as well as great. He can break forward. I think he's a fantastic player, Derek. So I'm exactly the same as you. Get that laddie tied down to a long-term contract. Start getting him embedded in the team because I think he could have a huge future, whereas I really do think he's a, a really, really special player. And that's the thing, there's a number of these B-team players, though, that are just about at that level, I think. And we spoke on the last podcast about Juan Allegria, or yes. I can never pronounce his name, but the, the, the young Colombian going out on loan where he's banging them in for fun in the B-team, along with uh, Weston as well in the B-team. Exactly, yeah. You know, it looks like outstanding talent. So I know it's at the business end of the season. We can't afford to yeah. drop points. But when they're, you know, just coming on the park and setting up goals like that and making yeah. driving runs, we maybe need that, especially yeah. when the Aberdeen and St. Johnston game, prime examples. Exactly. Yeah. So we got through to the, the semi-final and in typical fashion, we're drawn against Celtic in the semi-final. That'll be played on Sunday the 17th of April. I think it's a two, two o'clock kickoff as well. And that's on Premier Sports. So, you know, to win the trophy, you normally need to beat Celtic. So we're either going to get them in the semi-final or the final. So I just hope we, we are on the ball from that. You know, yeah. the, the thing is though, we could lose the league, lose the Europa League and win the Scottish Cup and it would still be effectively a, a disappointing season. So, yeah. you know, we've got to take that one with a pinch of salt as well. But 
at least if we do lose these two, we need to win the Scottish Cup. So, But we're still in for all three. That yeah. is the main thing just now. History proves, Derek, and I'm not wanting to jinx us here, that we do have a good record in the semi-finals against Celtic. So wait and see the, the interesting fact that I heard today that I, I never knew. It's the first time that there's been a semi-final Rangers Celtic in one and Hearts and Hibs in another it's never yeah. happened in, in, in the cup before in the entire history of the Scottish Cup which is quite incredible so mm-hmm. two huge games Derek we've won nothing yet we just have to hope that we turn up on, on, on the day and you know we can get to the final again and and take it for there but we keep saying it Derek one game at a time eh? one exactly. game at a time Yep. So in the table, we've played 30, 121, drawn 7, lost 2, scored 60, conceded 24, goal difference plus 36, and we're on 70 points. So we're still second, three behind Celtic, and they've increased their goal difference to 11. That was from 9 the last time we'd done a podcast. So the disappointing part there, obviously... You know, the Aberdeen and St Johnson games never done us any favours apart from the, the, the six points we got in them that I suppose is the main thing however the games to come obviously tomorrow night or it'll be probably tonight or depending on how long it takes me to edit this might, might have happened so we might be out or we might be through the quarters I don't know yet but Thursday the 17th of March is away to Red Star Belgrade in the second leg of the last 16 in the Europa League 17.45 kickoff, so early kickoff there I'll get to the footballing point first is I've seen their turn some crazy length tunnel and it used to be just a very drab concrete tunnel going down there and it looked intimidating however I'm seeing pictures of it recently and it's all been done up into all this multicoloured thing so I would have thought it would have done against them there I know they've tried to modernise it but it makes it more intimidating going into the stadium walking through this really dark and dingy hellhole of a tunnel so you know Hopefully we've done enough. The more worrying thing, though, is there's a lot of reports and kind of that there's a few issues with their fans. The Rangers have released a, a thing tonight saying, following UEFA's security meeting, we can confirm that Serbian police have advised that supporters, coaches can collect fans from Student Square from 4pm. Additional coaches will be put on by local authorities to aid independent supporters in heading to the match. After the fixture, there'll be a holdback of up to two hours and following this, coaches will be available to take supporters back to the city centre they've also went on to say about don't travel and uh, you know by yourself or in very small groups try and travel as a group as part of the the main main route so a few reports of a few attacks potentially happen so i hope everybody's staying safe out there have a good time but just please stay safe yeah there is uh, there's a, a lot of fans going over Derek i don't know i was actually listening to a certain radio station tonight and there's uh, two guys have travelled all the way from Kilmarnock by car, a 36 hour journey to travel to the game which is quite incredible but there's been a a few reports uh, Rangers fans getting tickets for the home end as well so I just really just like you said Derek, just just to reiterate I just hope everybody stays safe makes it back, uh, there's no any, any incidents and Hopefully, you know, the game goes without a hitch and uh, and Rangers get back and we're through. That's just all we can hope for. Yep. And now we've got a, a bit of a weird twist of fate in the next run of, run of games here because we again play Dundee again away. That's on Sunday the 20th of March in the Premiership at midday. So another big game there. Yep. And then we've got a strange run because Sunday the 3rd of April at home to Celtic in the Premiership. That's another midday fixture. 
if we do make it to the, the quarterfinals of the Europa League, we play that game on Thursday the 7th. I don't know if it's home or away. Then it's Sunday the 10th of April. That's away to St Myrna in the Premiership. That's another midday kickoff. And then we would play this, the second leg of the quarterfinal, Thursday the 14th of April. And then on the 17th of April, we play Celtic at Hamden yeah. in the Scottish Cup semi-final. So a strange run of games there with just a couple of repetitive games. But that run between the 3rd and the 17th of April massive massive games quite incredible Derek I am going to be hopefully stateside for all, all of those matches that you have uh, just said there so I'm going to have to make sure I've got all my time zone changes to make sure that I can watch all of them but that's a that's a really really incredible section of games there isn't it I mean some massive games for us and like I said I would do anything for us to win 1-0 you know I'll take the shadiest 1-0 victories for every single one, one of the games but we'll just have to wait and see what happens See for the fact that you used the term stateside there I hope you didn't get to see the games now <laughs> Stateside what kind, of, what kind of highfalutin podcast do you think this is? <laughs> um, uh, like I said I'm going to have to get my calculations right with the timings and stuff like that I think I'm going to have to get up at like half six in the morning or something to watch the, the games that start at 12 o'clock Derek but no, I'm looking forward to it mate well, here's, here's hoping that we turn up and, and put on a performance for every single one of the games yep absolutely so we'll now go into the classic match So Dave, you're going back to 1989 and a victory against that team from up north. Yes, I certainly am, Derek. I'm going back to games. The game that I covered last week was a great RI games for me. Some fantastic players and I thought I'd see if I could go maybe a season before. So it was back in the 1988 season and the Rangers team in that day in goals for Rangers was Nicky Walker. The rest of the team, uh, Gary Stevens, John Brown, Richard Goff and Terry Butcher. Stuart Monroe playing an unfamiliar uh, left midfield role in this game along with Ray Wilkins, Ian Ferguson, Derek Ferguson and Mark Walters uh, playing up front with Rangers sort of summer signing of Kevin Drinkle. So a lot of familiar players there, familiar names for, for the past. So I was really looking forward to watching this. The Aberdeen team also with a lot of well-known players in their team, a lot of international players at that point. Got to remember at this sort of era, Derek, Ab Aberdeen were a, a title contender for many years. So the Aberdeen team of that day, Snelders, Irvin, McLeish, Robertson, Connor, McKimmy, Bett, Simpson, Charlie Nicholas, Wright and Mason. So a lot of very well-known players there. And Aberdeen would have fancied their chances in, in this game. So the game started, it was an early corner for Rangers, but Mark Walters headed out to the edge of the box. Ian Ferguson shoots, but unfortunately just well over the bar. A few minutes later, there's Aberdeen up the other end of the corner. Alec McLeish header. Completely unmarked, thankfully, straight at Nicky Walker to keep it nil-nil. But it was only in the 11th minute that Rangers took the lead.
Gary Stevens with the ball at right back, a long pass up the right wing to Ian Ferguson, who races into the box. He stayed on side, gets to the byline. He puts a low cross. Snelders manages to get a hand. He palms it out. It flicks up in the air. It's headed back towards the goal. It hits the defender in the line. And who's there? The man that I mentioned at the start, Stuart Monroe, high up the pitch, probably the highest he's been up the pitch in years. He manages to bundle the ball in to give Rangers the 1-0 lead early in the game. Fantastic start for them. Great initial play by Stevens up to Ferguson there and Rangers taking the lead. But then Aberdeen back down the other end. Charlie Nicholas gets the ball. He has hits a shot from outside the box, but over the bar, thankfully. Then a bit of a defensive mix-up between Goff and Butcher in the box. Butcher is dispossessed. Right runs in, thankfully though, shoots wide of the post, but you know, that's really off the hook there. And then on the 23rd minute, Rangers incredibly extend their lead. Walker with a goal kick up to the halfway line. Derek Ferguson heads to Ian Ferguson, who plays a fantastic dink ball through back to Derek Ferguson, who kept running. So it was a sort of a one-two, if you like, but dink ball through. Derek Ferguson, he kept running into the box, as cool as you like. Fires the ball past Snelders into the goal to give Rangers a 2-0 lead. Absolutely sensational stuff. Great finish there with Derek Ferguson, a player. I certainly forgot a lot about Derek Ferguson. There were certain games that he was absolutely sensational for, for, for Rangers. Neil Simpson then for Aberdeen. He shoots from long range, but it's past the post. In the 37th minute, though, Aberdeen pull a goal back. Charlie Nicholas heads towards the goal. Goff gets down. It looks as if Goff had actually stopped the ball on the line. It looked like it. I certainly thought that the ball wasn't over the line, but the referee didn't agree with me, and he gave the goal. So a <laughs> controversial goal there for Aberdeen to pull a goal back. Then just after that, a bit of handbags there. Ian Ferguson and Brian Irvin. Uh, Ian Ferguson absolutely raging. Ray Wilkins comes over to try and sort of calm things down. Ian Ferguson actually turns on Wilkins at that point, going absolutely mental. So a few of the Rangers players haven't come in. He calm Ian Fer Ferguson down. He gets yellow carded for that, and that is where the action of the first half stopped. So into the second half, Aberdeen really trying to put pressure on Rangers early with a couple of crosses into the box, but the aerial ability of Goff and Butcher they were going to be winning those balls all day. They were keep keeping it away. And then it was the Mark Walter show in the second half after that. It was absolutely sensational. He was on the right, he was on the left. He was playing th through through the middle, absolutely superb. And then it was Walters himself on the right right wing, does his usual, 
gets to the byline, puts the cross in, the ball falls for Derek Ferguson in, in the box. He shoots just past the post, really should have scored there to put the game beyond doubt. Then Walters again, he's played into the box by Ray Wilkins with a fantastic ball, but the ball smothered just at the end. It just took too, too many touches and still just managed to get out and get, get the ball. And then Monroe after that, again, like I said, playing at the left side of midfield, he wins the ball on the byline. He shoots and saved out for the corner so quite incredible there because I honestly can't remember uh, Stuart Monroe scoring for, for Rangers he was a very defensive left back and then Walt, Walters again with an incredible shot curling shot in the left corner of the box a fantastic save by Snell there's really un, un, unlucky there and then uh, Brian Irvin Ab- Aberdeen had a shot he, he hits a header from a long free kick puts it past the post you know again it was chances at the end of the game, but thankfully he didn't score. It went past. And then Mark Walters again, I keep mentioning his name in the second half. He was superb. Races down the right wing, cuts the ball back to the edge of the box to Derek Ferguson. He hits a first-time shot and just skims the top of the bar and over there. And that is where the game finished. Derek finished full-time. A hard-fought victory for Rangers against Aberdeen. But like I said, Aberdeen team back then, full internationals, Difficult place for, for Rangers to go to and a fantastic victory. Mark Walters, simply sensational in the second half. Tremendous player, so really happy that I sat and watched that back again, Derek. It brought back some memories and I got to see Stuart Monroe scoring a goal because, like I said there, I can't remember Stuart Monroe scoring at all. And that was sort of my era when I was really first starting to get to go to games and that, Derek. It was these players that I was getting to watch. I realised that you were very, very young at that stage, but I can remember these guys clearly and, uh, you know, just great to go back as usual and relive the game. Yep, absolutely great. And, you know, what an era that was, you know, just starting to get in that all these amazing players in exactly. from, from England yep. and everything. Unfortunately, I missed it, but Ex- yep. what, can, what can you do? <laughs> exactly, Derek. <laughs> so Dave will be back with another classic match in the next episode. So we'll now go into the news. So as ever, a lot to cover and we're going to start with a bit of a rant now, aren't we? Because the old firm friendly that we mentioned in the previous podcast yeah. was actually true. And I yeah. you know, just can't believe that one. Incredibly short-sighted by the club and it's rightly drew the, the fury of our fans. Yeah. For, a ch- for a change as well, it's pretty much unified the yeah, fans yeah, on the issue as well. Yeah, definitely. As we expected, the, cl- the club confirmed it was announced by another club early. I wonder why Celtic done that on the day of it, confirmed in court that the survivors of their child abuse will be allowed to sue them. Hmm, Typical Celtic, eh? James Bisgrove was then trotted out. He looked a bit taken aback during the interview. He didn't look his normal confident self, um, but he did confirm that, you know, as the commercial director, he was looking to exploit every revenue stream he could. I don't think anybody has an issue with that. That's his job. However, the deal was sanctioned by the board, he confirmed. And therein lies the issue, as the board is made up of largely known diehard Rangers fans, really should have known better. Now, the club have confirmed it's, I think, it's eight or ten days tour. I think there's two games in that. And we will make more money from that ten days than we get from, from the rights from the SPFL. It's not been confirmed by the club, and I don't think it will be, but it's expected to be around £3 million if the rights for the SPFL are anything to go by. I mean, that in itself raises more questions, once again, about the governance of the SPFL. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's not the issue here. 
the issue here is I'm going to list a few things here, Dave, and this is just the the very basic things I came up with off the top of my head that Celtic done have done in the last couple of years that are the reasons why we shouldn't be involved in this. They effectively tried to kill us. Mm-hmm. They refused to use the old firm terminology. There's constant digs at us in their AGM. Their own director had to apologise in their AGM after his eulogy to Walter Smith didn't refer to us as Sevco. There's a constant appeasement of their fans over Resolution 12, which relates to Rangers. The obviously recent ticketing issues they've got with us, the tit-for-tat ticketing issues, it's been billed as the Ange homecoming. Yeah. And then, then, I mean, that's just the recent things, and then factor in the whole child abuse thing. They are, as I said in the last podcast, they are a toxic, toxic brand now. Derek, I don't want to be associated with them any more than what we do. I also... As you just stated there, this is being billed as Ange Postacoglu's homecoming, coming back to Australia. I am flabbergasted because exactly what you said, all the fans are unanimous in this. There's none of us want this at all. We don't want anything to do with them. We certainly don't want to be filling their pockets either, which you know we will be because it's going to be benefiting them also. I'm only interested in us and as you say, it's very short-sighted by the board. They must have known that there was going to be a backlash like this. And there has been absolutely nothing said at all. It's basically, no, it's happening. We don't care. You know, you know, you can say whatever you want. It's happening. In end of story, it's going to be giving us three, three million pounds. You know, that's it. Done. I think it's really, really poor by the board that they haven't come out and liaised with the fans. Again, there's, there's been nothing said. And I'm just quite annoyed about it completely, Derek. I know what I would do if, you know, if we were contractually obliged, I, I would be sending a B team over just to say, all right, we've done it. I know that's not going to happen, but I think we should be treating this as a complete and utter joke of a game that we're not taking seriously at all because it is going to be the Ange Postacoglu loving over there. I don't care what anybody says and, you know, I really don't want to be associated with it. No. I mean, Rangers have got a massive problem with this now because it is not going away. I mean, every game we've had since it was announced, that was, the I think, starting with the St. Johnson game, there's been a protest of sorts. Yep. I'll get into the songs in a minute because that's an entirely separate issue. But every post that Rangers have put on social media, be it a charity one or, or for the games or any sort of update, there's always people moaning about cancel the friendly, etc, etc. To be honest, I think that's gone a bit over the top now. But I think it's, it shows the level of fury that's out there. There, The tickets have apparently went on sale or are about to go on sale. So the only way I see this getting cancelled now without it costing us a fortune and completely losing face over it and, and being embarrassment for us is if the organisers pull Celtic out of it due to the court cases that are going to be coming up. So we'll need to wait and see if that is the case or whatever Rangers decide to actually do pull out. There was also a story floating about that Celtic were getting a significant amount more for the tour than we were. However, it's been apparently rubbished by the club and I'm sure I heard that apparently the clubs negotiated separately but there was a clause that the fees had to match even if they negotiated separately so you know I'm glad that that's been ironed out and I would hate to think that the club are lying about Celtic getting a lot more whether they managed to separately with a different company or advertising company managed to negotiate something else I don't know I don't even know if that's possible or in the remit of the contract but Rangers if they are still going to go ahead with it they better be on the ball with it now if the whole situation wasn't ridiculous enough Club 1872 I mean remember them 
yep. de- demanded answers from the Rangers board and accused the board of alienating fans. I mean, this comes from a group that have had no communication with their members in months, refused to answer basic questions on their own governance, have divided their, their members so much that the members are completely dwindling to the extent that there was an EGM a short time ago where a significant percentage of their membership voted against them. Absolutely pathetic. I do not want to hear from Club 1872 and its current guys because they are an absolute joke. Me and you have spoke about this a long time. I know that there are a lot of... Uh talking points when it comes to Club 1872. A bit surprised that they've come out now and said all this just exactly like you've said there, Derek. They've they've been very quiet. We've heard nothing at all from them and God, I don't know how long, and then all, all of a sudden it comes out. What's your feelings and the fact that, you know, now, you know, all these times have suddenly just, what's changed to make them sort of stick their head up for the parapet and actually, you know, come out with a statement like that? I've no idea because it's it's ridiculous that they're even getting involved. They're not speaking for a massive percentage of the fans. Even granted, they've got a massive you know shareholding in the club, but the way they've treated their members, the way they've treated other fans, especially in its infancy when you were asking them questions or when you were asking some of their members questions, all you were getting back is snarky answers, which yeah. we've covered in the podcast before. I've no time for them now. As far as I'm concerned, they are done. The basics of, and they should know this by now, they need to try and grow their membership. They should be fully aware of that from their EGM they had, but they've done nothing, absolutely nothing. So I'm not interested in them. Next thing, though, is Dave King waded into the whole situation as well, stating that, that had he been on the board, then the whole thing would have never have happened. I mean, of course he's correct in that. However, it's an open goal for him as he wants back on the board, and it's an easy way to get fans on his side by opposing this. He also went on to talk about the shoddy treatment of Club 1872. I mean, they're his pals at the end of the day, given the fact that they've got a shared buying agreement from him as well. He also went on to state it was was shocking that Richard Goff, Derek Johnson and Mark Haightley had been dropped as ambassadors for the club a year ago. Now, I think that was unknown to all of us, and I'm not really sure that's why that why that's an issue though. I mean, you can't hire every club legend, and if the, the direction the club are wanting to go in is different to what they are useful for, then there's no point keeping them on the wage structure, is there? So that's not a non-issue for me. The one thing though that's really really pissed me off, and I'm sure you're going to feel the exact same way, is the songbook has started to creep back into the fans again, and the the away fans especially. Now, me and Dave. We are, we are not naive enough to think that anything we say on here has an influence and we don't think we're above anyone because we've got a podcast. We're two fans giving our opinion. Really, that's it. But at the same time, we're not shy away like some people do about calling out fans for being selfish, childish, mindless idiots for bringing the songbook back as well. I mean, fortunately, when I see people agreeing with the the fact that the songbook's coming back on Twitter, they don't follow us and we don't follow them. So that's that's one good thing anyway. If that means we are going to have no as many followers or listeners or whatever, then so be it. But the songbook has opened up again in defiance of this. I mean, what do these fans exactly think is going to happen? The club are not going to bow down to your demands just because you're singing. I mean, it would set a precedent for the for the club there. It just means that any time the fans be bad, but the, the club are just going to you know do whatever the fans are, are demanding. That's never going to happen. All you're doing by singing these songs is harming the club and potentially your fellow fans' ability to attend games because 
stadium closures might happen. I know that strict liability doesn't happen in Scotland, but just with the weight of media, the weight of, you know how this goes in the media, you know how it goes in the in the government as well. There'll be pressure put on the club to, to close stadiums down. I don't care what Celtic fans do and what they get away with. I don't care if you think that there's nothing wrong with the words or what you think the meaning is. The problem is people do care and people will stop at nothing to try and take us down. Have you learned absolutely nothing over the past 10, 12 years of what we went through? People want us dead. People want to kill our team. And all you're doing is giving them ammunition every single time. Well, it's 2020. Maybe things that were acceptable 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago were fine back then. They are not now. There is absolutely no need for it whatsoever. And all you're doing is harming the club and harming your fellow fans. Derek, the club is, or uh, the fans are under the microscope. Every single game that we play, there are people who sit and watch and listen to our games for one reason only, and that's to try and listen for these songs being sung so that complaints can be made. That's how that's how the world is with us at the moment. So why bring the heat on the club like that? And using the just justification of, you know, we're not happy with the way that the board are doing something, so we're going to start singing the songs is just quite rightly what you say this is totally childish. We don't agree with it at all. There's no place for it at all. Me and you have spoken about this time and time again, but it's just the whole, for, for me, I just can't understand why people who know the harm that this is going to cause the club will still do it. I, I, I can't honestly get that. I, I can't understand that. If they're using this as an excuse to do that, is it going to be that every single time they're not happy with a decision that's made with, to do with the club, that that's what they're going to do? Is, 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 is that what it is? Because that's quite incredible if that's the case. And, you know, I, I, I can't really say any more than what you've already summarised, Derek. It's it, th- There's no place for it at all. Fans need, need to get a grip if you're doing it. You are only harming the club. I don't know what you think you're going to achieve by doing it and just fucking quit it at the end of the day. That's, that, that's basically what we, what we need to do. We need to deal with things completely differently. That's not how you deal with any problems that you've got with the board. It's, it's just it's quite incredible when you think about it. I mean, it makes it so easy for the club just to turn around and say, see, you're safe standing. You're not getting it because you yeah. can't be trusted. Yeah, You're not doing yourself any favours. If you want something, you don't act like that. Yeah. It, that's why I said it's petulant and it's childish. But We've been talking about it for however long on our podcast. It's been going on for however long, you know, you know, for the last twenty odd years. It did get better. It'll still be there. I don't care what the other team do. I care yeah. about what we do. So yeah. So all we can really say on that one. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Rangers players, management and directors have donated a chunk of March wages to support the victims of conflict in Ukraine. An incredible gesture from the club there. A minimum of £72,000 will be donated donated to UNICEF's Ukraine Emergency Appeal Fund and the DEC's Ukraine Humanitarian Crisis Appeal. Just incredible from the club there. Fantastic, yes. Yep. On a similar note, Rangers legend Alexei Mikhailachenko and his son have signed up for the Ukrainian Defence Force. I mean, 
it is honestly mind blowing that legends like him, the Klitschko brothers, yep. even the president of Ukraine, all could have easily taken a step back. They're all very wealthy people going off to another country or what have you, and they've all pledged to fight or have been on the front line. I mean, that to me is just the true meaning of patriotism right there. We all hope they stay safe and the situation gets resolved quickly and peacefully. However, with Putin, he's honestly a, a certifiable madman and I just hope that something happens there quickly to, to so that everybody stays safe. There's no need for it whatsoever. Derek, I've, I've been following it quite closely uh, you know, since it all started. I could speak to you for a long time about it. I'm not going to. Uh, it's uh, quite incredible. I, I think it's extremely worrying and scary for, for for the likes of these guys who were, you know, sporting heroes of that country, you know, ex-players at ours to think that they could be involved in that is really quite quite worrying. So exactly like what you said, I just really hope that that they're all safe and there is a resolution c- coming soon. But again, we'll have to wait and see. Yep. Next thing we've got is Aaron Ramsey has spent £30,000 of his own money getting himself fit for the title running. He flew his own trusted physios over to Scotland to give him specialist treatment. Absolutely brilliant from him. I mean, obviously, you know, he's got us on his mind, but he also he has got the World Cup as well uh, on his mind as well, which he's apparently just been called up for the playoffs, I think, as well. So um, certainly brilliant from him. And he would love to see more players doing that. I do, Derek. I I'm hoping and praying, I was sitting think, thinking about this the other day, I've spoken to a few fellow Bears at work, who one guy in particular that we, we both know, Derek, who's very, very positive with the whole Aaron Ramsey thing. He thinks that he's going to be back to full fitness for, you know, the, the sort of main running. And going by how he played, I know it was only Dundee, Derek. I thought he looked very comfortable. I thought he looked like an established player in, in that game. He was involved in the vast majority of the attack go, going forward, you know. And considering that's only his second game for Rangers and he's been out for so long and then he missed another chunk and then he's back in. So uh, we can only hope that he's getting better and better and fitter and fitter every game because I'm sure that he, he could be vital for us. So really pleased that he's, he's finally back playing. Imagine, you know, if he only spends less than six months here and he walks away with a league title medal, uh, a Scottish Cup winner's medal and a Europa League winner's medal. Derek, that would be incredible <laughs> and it would be the, the ultimate justification for the board bringing him in uh, if, that, if, if that was the case. So here's hoping that we're looking back at the end of the season and, and reminiscing about you <laughs> saying this at this point, you know, this point in time. So fingers crossed. Yep. Rangers are, are set to be punished by UEFA for a pitch invasion after the Dortmund game by a child. Yes. By a child. I mean, come on. I mean, I've never agreed with it. This is where strict liability does not work whatsoever because you cannot physically control the amount of fans in the stadium. You cannot stop them singing something. You cannot stop them running onto the pitch. The only way you would do that is you. a lot of the European stadiums have got effectively moats around the stadium. I know the, the Olympus Stadium in Berlin is like that, where it's really difficult to get onto the pitch where there's a big fucking moat around it. But it's just absolutely ridiculous that that is. It leads into another thing, though, because he was running on the pitch to try and get a shirt off one of, his, one of our players. This really needs to stop because it's... Because where does it stop? There's not just 11 kids in the stadium to get one shot every single game from one of their players. It's it's getting a bit touristy now. And I know 
there's been a few adverts on from, I think there was one down south where I think it was a Liverpool shirt and he had just got it that weekend and it was up on eBay for two and a half grand. I know that Rangers fans are no like that generally, but it's getting to the ridiculous stage now. If a, if a player wants to give you a shirt at the end of the game, fair enough, but then he go and beg for it. It's just a bit pathetic. Derek, I know that, uh, that that you're no a fan, and I am, uh, but this is something that you see in the NFL all, all the time. NFL and football are completely different, you know, to me. Absolutely, NFL is, for me, is glitz and glamour and, and, and Hollywood and, and, and the sports world, and you, you expect things like that to see it. I don't think there's a place in our game for it whatsoever. I want to see the fans there as you know atmosphere you know jump about going mental i hate all of this fake shit that's going about with folk taking you know you're, you're actually they're, they're videoing themselves when they're celebrating and then of course we're getting all of this but brought in you know wanting folk shirts and th- things like that it's you know it's, it's it's getting a bit comical it's like you know the darts and you know the wrestling and s- s- stuff like that with the banners and stuff like that oh don't 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 knock the wrestling <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's no place in our f- football for stuff like this Derek I want raw emotion for the supporters not nothing else no cameras no fucking messages anything like that. I just want screaming shouting and like I say just just emotion we can leave the, the other sports to have th- things like that for, for the fans but I'm a complete agreement with you I don't I, I, I don't want to see it in our, our game I don't think there's any place for it no absolutely not next thing here is that Rangers have suspended RTV in Russia st- starting with the Dundee game that was just there I'm sure that's really made a big impact to the, <laughs> to the war isn't it but you know, every little helps, I suppose. It's yeah, stopping I, money coming from there. So, and they've got to show, you know, that they are doing something, even if it is something as small as that, Derek. So, you know, fair play. Yep. Now, interestingly, Cudela has dropped his appeal. Sorry, racist Cudela has dropped his appeal to his yep. t- to having his ten game ban lifted and has said sorry. So, like we knew all along, he said it. We knew he said it. He knew he said it. And he was caught out and tried to deny it like a scumbag that he is. Sorry, a racist scumbag that he is. Yep. Just the whole thing has been an absolute farce right from the beginning. Yes. See if you just, you know, see if you just say, look, I made a mistake and I, I said it, I really shouldn't have said it. Yeah. It would have been done and dusted and that would have been it. But he's dragged it out and dragged it out and made himself look like an absolute scumbag. Yep. You know, fuck him. To- totally, Derek. Absolutely disgraceful. We spoke about it at length. The good thing is that Glenn Kamara says that he feels, you know, vindicated that this has happened. It's now it's it's came out. It's shown that he was the the, the the liar here, as he's been portrayed in the Czech media and all the Czech supporters and stuff like that. Uh, but but as you say, Derek, it's uh, quite despicable what he's done. And now finally, you know, it's came out that it's been the you, you know it's, it's it's been exactly the way that Glenn Kamara said, said it has. So uh, I'm pleased I'm pleased for him, but it was just an absolutely despicable incident. You know, for start to finish. Yep. Next thing is we have appointed a new disability access officer. John Spears has 25 years experience in the field. I mean, hopefully this is the start of sorting out what is really a disgrace of a disabled section. Yeah. Um, and obviously all the other issues that yep. go around that. I mean, 
to me, I can't see anything other than sacrificing part of a stand and obviously in that, the capacity and the money that, that it would bring in given the current configuration of Ibrox. However, sometimes capacity and the money have to come second and this is one of those occasions I feel it's it's been long, long overdue and it really is a disgrace where people in wheelchairs have to, to sit and, you know, they get, you know, all the elements, exposed to all of the elements. It's a poor view as well. Yeah. Other than maybe, maybe, if there's uh, the, the access available to it, where the people from the Ibrox suite sit, Adapting that is the the new disabled area, and that's the only thing I could see. But again, you would need to find places for the the Ibrox suite. But we've got a whole load of new hospitality suites now, so I'm sure something could be adapted there. But we'll yeah, that's a, that's a fair shout, Derek. I don't know how much they're going to get to adapt an area. I don't know if there's scope for building anything in the two corners, you know, or you know, even something with one of the corners that we don't have seats in. I, I, I don't know if it would be possible or not for something to, to 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 be built there. It would cost a hell of a lot of money. But what you've just said there is a, is quite a good shout, considering that there's going to be new hospitality areas as well. So again, we'll just have to wait and see, you know, the plans that come come out there. But it's been a long time coming. Yep. The last thing here we reported on a couple of uh, we, uh, a couple of episodes ago is that the charges against Craig White for not providing passwords has been dropped due to his previous lawyers not contacting him about the fact that it was a legally binding notice that he had to provide them. I mean, that prick has more life than a cat, hasn't he? Unbelievable, yep. He's, he, he manages to squirm his way out of absolutely everything, Derek, and it's still going on. We're still hearing about him and we're still no any, any, any further forward with the actual truth of everything that happened. Just incredible. But yep. with the fear of any litigation coming our way, I'm going <laughs> to end it there. So, ring doorbell owner wants Phantom Farter to come clean. <laughs> Damn, I've been caught. <laughs> <laughs> A Leicestershire resident has called a man who keeps farting in front of their ring doorbell to come clean. An anonymous poster on Spotted Wigston Facebook page claimed that the bespackled chap had continually letting off bum burps in front of their doorbell cam. In a video evidence in this claim, the man can be seen staring into the camera with a straight face as he creaks out a sort of a double guff before grinning and nodding. That's brilliant. Capturing the post, they said, this man keeps going to my ring do- doorbell and farting. It's really unpleasant. Please own up. That's brilliant. But if the poster was expecting the outpouring of support from the local community, then there's oh. another thing coming. In fact, as you might expect, most people found the whole thing pretty amusing. That's hilarious. Commenting on the video, which has been viewed more than seven and a half thousand times, one person said, funniest thing on Spotted Wigston for ages, we need more fart, fart and ring videos. I'm going to have to look up this new one on, uh, <laughs> on the internet, Derek, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> have you got a ring door, doorbell, Derek? I don't know. Have you? Damn. No. Right then. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a camera which picks up sound, so... Does it? Yeah. Excellent. All right, I'll I'll remember that the next time I'm around. (laughs) So, on that note, here ends the podcast. (laughs) 
So as ever, you can go to our website. It's not been updated for the past while, so usually there's no point going to our website these <laughs> days. But it's iReadyPodcast.wordpress.com. Obviously, we're on the social media channels on Facebook and Twitter as well, and you can go to all the usual podcast outlets. So, Dave, this podcast may be out of date depending on when I can get it edited. So hopefully we're through to the quarterfinals by the time yeah. it comes out, and uh, you know certainly it'll be an interesting game. It certainly will be, Derek. I think it's going to be a cracker, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm just glad that we've got that three goal cushion. Here's hoping it will be enough. I've, you know, I'm 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 not, I'm not going to give you any any, any predictions. Uh, you know, in case it goes ho- horribly wrong, but I am uh, I'm nervously optimistic, shall we say? Yes. So, thanks for listening, and goodbye. Take care, folks. Bye bye. And the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. I'll tell you, Sahid, if there's anything that's going to make you fart in front of somebody's <laughs> ring doorbell, it's a fucking rustler burger. <laughs>